Welcome back, everyone, and another episode is headed to your ears. But before we get into the details, I have to let you know that it is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas, and surrounding areas. And if you're in the market to buy or sell a home in that area, look no further than Laura Lee Smith. She's honest trustworthy and hardworking. And those are three things that you absolutely need when you're making such a big investment in purchasing a home. So don't take my word for it. Give her a call or text her at any time and see what she has to say. If you don't like it, you can move on to another agent, but I bet you won't. Her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Also, my friend Danny has branched out and started his own business. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows I have a soft spot in my heart for entrepreneurs and people taking a chance and rolling the dice. And that's what he's done by starting C5 Mobile RV Repair. C5 Mobile RV Repair is a company that will come to you with any sort of RV, mobile, camper, trailer, vacation on wheels, you name it, with any sort of issues. He fixes them and gets it back up and operational and you enjoying your vacation or your downtime or at the deer lease, wherever it may be. So give Danny a shout. Go follow him on Facebook. Friend him, like him, even if you don't have that. And uh, let's see Danny succeed because I love it and I love those kind of stories. So help him out. Also, he's just a great dude. And a good friend. So thought I would support him by giving him an ad on the podcast. If you want to support this show monetarily, you can go to 95adventures.com and purchase any and all of the wonderful flavors that we have there on the website of coffee. That's right. We love coffee and we enjoy it so much. We drink our own stuff all the time. So it's wonderful. Um, and if you want to support it that way, you can. If you want to support the podcast the most important way and for free of charge, like, rate, review, and share on your social media any one of the episodes that you enjoy, such as this one, uh, really appreciate it and it helps get it out there and people listen to it and pulls it up to the top of list. And so can't tell you how much uh, we really, really appreciate you doing that. Now for this episode of the podcast, we have the Zen Gorilla. I hope he doesn't mind me calling him that. It says that on his Instagram page, BJJ Cop or RGJ. He is a jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's in law enforcement in the Houston, Texas area, and just overall a really cool dude. If you uh, get a chance, go to his Instagram page, click, click on the link. He has an Invictus jiu-jitsu camp that he runs or I guess uh, seminars that he does that really benefits, uh, you'll hear in the podcast, it benefits uh injured and fallen police or law enforcement individuals and all sorts of things like that. So just a cool story all over around. And he's a really solid dude with some really good tidbits of information for you looking to do anything, whether it be getting into business for yourself, uh, mental health, whatever it may be. Just overall, really enjoyed this conversation. It's one of my favorites and I hope you do as well. So please, everyone, enjoy RGJ. We're off and running. Awesome. Sweet, man. So it's RGJ. What's the RG stand for? Uh, Enzo Gracie. Oh, right on. That's who's in the photo on your Facebook page. It is. It is. The reason I do that, like a lot of police officers, we don't use our real names on our social media for for reasons of uh, people being able to look us up too easily. So it's not like it's that hard to find me if you're because I'm kind of out there a little bit, but uh, I don't want it's I just don't want someone to be able to type in my name and I pop up immediately. You know, if you want to find me, you got to do at least a little bit of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand that I, totally, man. Uh, I've got several friends that are um, cops. One of the guys that uh, runs the gym we're at, he was a a I guess 
SWAT guy up in Kansas City area. Um, so, and I mean, it's pretty cool. And I've, I've actually, you're the second police officer I've had on the podcast. Oh, fantastic. Yep. Yep. So it's, I guess the first guy didn't mess it up for us. <laughs> no, man. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Uh, I actually have a lot of respect for cops, um, and oh, law enforcement you. of, of all sorts. I think I always say you have the toughest job of any of the people like firefighters, people are waiting to hug them and, and thank them and everything. And police officers are nothing but mad at them all the time. So it's, it's a weird job for sure. And and it it can be very tough, but it has its own rewards. It can be, it can be an extremely rewarding job as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. I mean, you wouldn't be in it. I, I don't think people should get in that profession if they, if they don't feel that way. Like if there's not something rewarding and they don't love that, um, that job. No, this is not a job you jump. It does happen. People do get into law enforcement that uh, they're looking for a check. They think it's a maybe an easy way to get a check or a simple way. Or I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're thinking. But uh, it's not something that you just because you're giving up. Uh, you're giving up your holidays. You're giving up weekends. You're giving up normal sleep schedules for a really long time, um, and you're under a high stress situation, which. To be honest with you, uh, it just seems like it's getting the stress level is getting higher and higher for us because the uh, public scrutiny and the public uh, expectations are higher and higher for us, and uh, it's it's a high stress stress career field. But if you love doing it and you love helping people, uh, and you've got it in your blood, then there's nothing else like it. Well, I I saw your pictures on Instagram. I don't know how I came across it either. I think a either a fighter liked one of your photos or something that, that I follow. Um, but you, it showed up on my page. I was like, dude, that guy looks freaking tough. And, <laughs> and obviously I, I was drawn to it, you know, and I clicked to, I clicked on it to see what it was. And I was like, Oh, he's in Houston. That's cool. And then I was like, jujitsu for cops too. Oh, this is all sorts of cool stuff going on. Like, and then I dove down a little, like just to see what your little Academy was about and all that. And, and just from the outside looking in, it really piqued my interest of you. Like, I guess you do the Gracie jujitsu stuff. And then you also have a different thing or at least a kind of like a thing for cut, like specifically for law enforcement people. Is that right? So kind of it's what we do is, um, so I do Brazilian jujitsu. And I've been doing that over 12 years. Uh, I got my black belt about a year and a half ago under Henzo Gracie Academy. Uh, Brian Marvin's my my professor down in Houston. And um, what the the law enforcement aspect, what you're looking for, that's kind of developed over a few years. Um, I kind of, doing jujitsu, I picked it up. I've been a police officer over 20 years. And I picked up jujitsu, like I said, about 12 years ago, over 12 years ago now. And uh, I knew I needed something. And I'd been on the street, and every physical encounter I had, it was tackle and just overpower them and wait till people get there to help you. Or, you know, it was a lot of just good luck and good fortune, really, to be honest. And I, I kind of knew it instinctively, and so I, I knew I needed to start training something. And uh, I started, you know, the UFC was getting pretty big, uh, and it had been for a couple of years at that point, and, or at least it was starting to be. And so I, I kind of looked into jujitsu uh, of, of all the martial arts I could train, and it just seemed like, well, I went and trained a class, and you know, I was immediately hooked, and I immediately realized how 
this has come, you know, direct application to, to what we do on the street. Because really what you want to do when you're arresting somebody on the street is you want to use the minimal amount of force necessary to control somebody and get them handcuffed. Well, in jiu-jitsu, you want to use the minimum amount of force and uh, energy necessary to control somebody and submit them. So it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely made for law enforcement. So I started training for, for quite a while. And when I got pretty proficient about a little bit into my brown belt level, uh, which I'd been training like eight years at that point, maybe nine, uh, <clears throat> I thought, well, I, you know, I've always tried to influence police officers to train because I thought it made them safer on the street, uh, made them less less uh, likely to be sued. It made them, gave them a better chance to get home safely. And uh, it even helped bring, uh, helped us with suspects, getting them arrested without injuring them. And so I started kind of putting out videos of, hey, this is you know, in my uniform. I was like, this is what you can do with jujitsu in your uniform. Like, you can totally move. This is how it can be used effectively to arrest people. Uh, and I, it generated a lot of interest. And a lot of police officers started kind of getting, you know, hitting me up saying, hey, I think this is something I need to do or I want to do. And which was exactly the response I was looking for. So you fast forward a little bit further, and uh, a guy named Ari in Canada, Ari Nizan, who's a black belt uh, in jiu-jitsu as well as uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu, and he's got a much longer history of martial arts than I do. But uh, he was—he found one of my videos. And he sent me a message saying, hey, I really like what you're doing. And uh, I, I knew the guy's name because when I was a white belt, he was putting out videos on YouTube instructionals and back then he was a purple belt and um, I recognized him on Instagram and I immediately asked him, I said, is this Ari from Submissions 101? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm such a fan. Like I used to always watch your stuff before I go train so I could learn and learn new techniques. And we, we struck up a friendship and uh, out of that friendship, we developed this company called Invictus where our, our goal is one, which is something we're both very passionate about, is to encourage officers to start training jujitsu for their safety, for their benefit, for their family's benefit, for the benefit of the, of, of the officers they work with, uh, and to start putting on seminars to uh, hopefully encourage police departments around the country to start making it a major part of their defensive tactics programs. So... In a nutshell, the the Invictus, what you what you were seeing on that one part, uh, it's just it's jujitsu, and we gear it towards police officers, but it's not exclusive towards police officers because kind of what we want to do is we want to show, hey, just jujitsu that you train every day doesn't have to be specifically made for police work. It's already made for police work. You may do a couple of minor tweaks here and there when it comes to weapon safety or or something like that, but. The jujitsu that you learn in an academy has direct uh, direct application to the job on the street. Well, I guess the I one guess thing I saw, like I've seen a couple things where you're either rolling or or uh, you've got other people rolling in uniform, and I just thought that was. And you mentioned it earlier that you put out videos like that, and I, that really like I was like that's that is exactly what they like kind of need to be doing like you, you're not just rolling with a gi or no gi or whatever it is you're actually doing it in uniform just like you would be if you were chasing down a suspect yeah and you have to you, when it comes to jujitsu and using it for defensive tactics you can learn it without being in uniform and, I, and you have to you have to learn it that way but once you kind of get a grasp of it 
you can train in your uniform or train in a simulated uniform with gear on and it still works like it, it all the all jujitsu still works there's some minor adjustments and some things maybe that you can't normally do but but really when it comes to when you're on the street and you're having to do uh defensive tag when you're having to defend yourself or put someone in custody it's going to get real basic and, and really about fundamentals anyway and all the fundamentals work with your uniform on, like every one of them. And, I, and that's why I put a uniform on. I wanted guys to see, hey, because I would I would get uh, talking to other officers about it. They were like, well, yeah, but you can't do that with your gear on. You can't do – how are you going to do that with a belt on and your, and your vest? And I was like, well, I'll show you. And so I started doing videos, and, and I would even get requests. Can you do this? And I'm like, oh, let's find out. And so I would, I would try it, and even if it worked real well, I would post the video saying, yeah, I could do it. If it was something that uh, I didn't think was uh, would work, or I, I couldn't really make it work, I'd send him a message like, "No, nah, that one doesn't really work." But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, using using your uniform or training in your uniform is an important part of, of jujitsu for police. I think that's I think one that's thing one that thing. Blo- like really attracts me to uh, jujitsu and and like that whole martial art. There is that there's it's not one pigeonholed to really a philosoph- a specific um ideology i guess if you want to say it's always growing and moving it's like chess with human pieces um and then and then at the same time um it's it's 100% practical from a kid to like a kid dealing with a bully to a grown adult uh defending themselves to a police officer yeah actually you nailed it when you were when you were just saying that you were it's human chess and uh it's it's always evolving, and, and I mean you nailed it. And I I can't remember who it was that said you know they they, they basically said that uh, jujitsu never ends, and uh, and I can't think of his name right now. He's one of my favorite uh, practitioners, but he's right. Like it, it's something that just never stops evolving or or changing, and it's it's it amazes me how creative people can be with jujitsu and keep developing new techniques, or, or maybe they're rediscovering some techniques, but. It's always evolving. The game is always evolving. You see it through competition. You see it through a lot of things. And I think that's another thing that makes it so attractive is it's always engaging your mind. Like you can never master jujitsu. You can get really, really good at jujitsu to where only a few people can uh, submit you or, or control you, but you'll never master. You'll never know everything there is about jujitsu. A friend of mine was just showing me a technique the other day in the gym. It was a foot lock off of something I like to do a lot. So I was frustrated when he did it because I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's what move I like. And he says, he was like, Jason's my best friend, Ron. He goes, Jason, do you know where I saw this? I was like, where? He goes, Henzo Gracie was showing it. Now, Henzo Gracie's one of the legends, you know. He's, he's an old school jujitsu guy. But they've been doing that. They were doing that for years and years ago. And it's this devious little footlock that, that, that he showed me. And I was like, man, I've never seen that. And I would have never thought of it until uh, you showed that to me. And uh, so, yeah, jujitsu, it's you'll never master it. And I think that's one of the things that's so attractive about it, too. Well, and I mean, for me, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else as far as like what they like and don't like. But it seems like human beings are attracted to things that they can never fully win. Like if you could get to the top and you can beat something, then you're kind of done with it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and like overall, finding those things where – you can never, like you said, you can never master jujitsu. You can never, you can never win. You can never be the best because jujitsu always wins. 
there's always someone better. It, it doesn't matter where you go. Uh, I, there's always with maybe even the top guys on the planet, uh, Gordon Ryan, uh, whoever, Marcelo Garcia, they've all been submitted by somebody. And it's, you'll never be the absolute best forever. You may be on top for a minute, but uh, there's always someone better. And it just, yeah, it's 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 funny. It it kind of reminds me of, of, of I was talking to this guy that trains with us, and he's an Olympian in Taekwondo. He was, I believe, a he was a bronze medalist uh, in Taekwondo. His name's Mark Lopez, and in Houston, they're kind of famous, the Lopez family, because like their whole family. Uh, was Olympians at one point, and it was like a big deal. And uh, but he said he 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 got bored of Taekwondo because there's only so many techniques you can do, and there just wasn't he wasn't challenged at all. So he started training jujitsu, and he was he's got talent for jujitsu. I mean he's a he's a high level athlete, so he, he's picking up on it very fast. But uh, what he was liking about it was he couldn't see like he's like it just seems like it's something that's gonna last forever, which of course makes it so attractive yeah now when you when you did this stuff and you started your like back when you just started doing the jujitsu to help yourself um and your and your career in law enforcement and needing it did you find that you're like mental and like you're not only physically but like mentally and like your stress levels just went like lowered immediately and your confidence went up i you know i will so a lot of people you'll you'll hear people say jujitsu saved my life, which if you if you look at that you can take that for a lot of different meanings. You can look at that from a lot of different perspectives. Uh, I would say you know, when I started training jujitsu, I'm about five seven. Uh, I was like 220 pounds at the time. I was overweight. I was lost physically. You know, I was a very athletic kid, and and then I I had gotten married young, and and we had kids and. I just I wasn't paying attention to my body. I wasn't uh, doing the things I needed to do to, to be a fit police officer, to be a fit person. Uh, I, I was kind of lost, and I was looking for that extra thing. And when I found jiu-jitsu, I immediately shut off all the weight in like six to seven months. It just it came right off of me. But I, got, I was very focused on training and, and all around, lifting, training, doing everything. Um, and it really refocused my mind on on a different lifestyle that was very healthy for me, that was healthy for, for my career. Um, and it, 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 I would, to say it changed me 180 degrees is, I think, maybe even an understatement. It really completely flipped who I was as a person when I started training jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, my, yeah the stress levels went down. Uh, it, it created a new camaraderie outside of police work of people I was friends with. Some were police officers, but a lot worked. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it changed my life for the better in ways that I can't imagine. Like I, I can't imagine my life now without jujitsu. I, I don't think I would be very happy person. I, I may, I would probably still be overweight and still searching for whatever it is I needed to, to do to change my life. I don't know, but I know jujitsu just through a mental health and physical health and happiness standpoint, it, it definitely, uh, it was a big deal. It, it definitely saved my life in that manner. Isn't it crazy? I mean, I find it, I find it very interesting that, um, uh, the importance of, like you mentioned having friends outside of work, um, and building that, like that community, something like where people go through struggle together and they can relate to each other. But outside of like that place of work, 
I find it to be so very important for mental, like your mental happiness, your overall enjoyment of life. You may not be depressed and you may not be lost or anything, but it just makes life so much better when you find a, a community like that. Man, I, it's it's funny. I went from most of my friends were law enforcement related to almost none of my friends are law enforcement related uh, in jiu-jitsu. And, you know, the thing is when you're doing jiu-jitsu, there's something that's um, you develop a close friendship with some people because you're, you're on the mat and you're literally, you know, practicing murdering each other. At least when you start getting decent enough, you're actually practicing murdering each other and it, it develops a, uh, or, or severely injuring each other. It develops a uh, bond that's hard to explain to other people there's, you know, it kind of exists in law enforcement for sure, because of when you go through stuff on the street together, you develop that similar kind of bond. But uh, it's a strange bond, and so I kind of went from where I had very few friends who were in law enforcement. Most, almost all my friends were jujitsu related. That's that's who I was hanging out with all the time. And then now I've kind of come. I have both now. I've I've developed. Uh, you know, I have I've been in law enforcement a long time, so I have friendships through there that I just have had for a long time that are very close. But now I've developed friendships with police officers who train jujitsu, uh, and uh, as well as just people who aren't police officers who train jujitsu. But the, it's funny, I've kind of come around to where I've, now I've got police officers who train jujitsu for a long time, and and I I share some very close bonds with with them uh, now as well. So it's it's been great, like just to have a, a wide variety of friends. I feel like it's helped me be a much more balanced person with balanced perspectives too. It's yeah, and you you kind of learn that when you get into something just just like this. Like um and and I'm a firm believer in you know, you have to struggle through things to to uh, like you you need struggle in order to really fully know what it like enjoyment is, what happiness is. It, like you can't have one without the other. It's like the yin and the yang. Like if if everything was easy, you would never fully know like that thing wouldn't be so enjoyable. Like if it was easy, you wouldn't be like, I nailed it. And you wouldn't be like celebrating your victories, you know, just be like, oh, it's just another day. It's whatever. I can do this every, you know, all the time. And I think things like jujitsu and uh, whatever it is that that you pick that's difficult, but especially in jujitsu, where if you purposely bring on a good struggle, like something that you're working on that's improving your body, it seems to like you have less struggles in the wrong areas. I, you know, I, I think it's it's weird how jujitsu for me and talking to other people that have been training for a long time, how much it relates to, to real life. And a lot of jujitsu is struggling through being uncomfortable and and learning to grind because it takes a long time to get good at jujitsu. Like I don't think people really understand. <laughs> One, they don't. They may not even know the difference between jujitsu and karate, which I get that, <laughs> and, and uh, it's extremely frustrating because you, you know. Let me show you what a karate, karate chop looks like. Yeah. But uh, it, it gets frustrating. But the the jujitsu is very hard. It takes a long time to get good at. It took me ten years. It took me over ten years to get to my black belt. Uh, and I trained pretty consistently the whole time. Uh, I mean, there's some people who go who get it a lot quicker, and there's some people who get it a little bit. It takes a lot longer. Uh, but even after I've been training over like 12 and a half years now, it's like uh, I still feel like I'm constantly learning. I still feel like I have a, I barely have a real grasp on it. 
And the thing that it's kind of taught me is you just have to stay very consistent and keep grinding constantly to keep improving and stuff. And so it's kind of worked well for me in my professional life. I've, you know, I've been a police officer over 20 years and I'm getting to a point, I'm, in, I'm administrative now. I'm, I'm in a, I'm actually in the very top part of my department. Uh, and, um, but it's taken me a long time to get here, but it's been through grinding and being consistent and just, just working hard and, and working consistently, kind of like you do in jujitsu. You just got to keep working and grinding consistently in jujitsu. Eventually you get pretty good at it. Eventually you start to learn a lot of stuff and you, it becomes something that, uh, once you get really good at it, some people like to say jujitsu is kind of like a superpower and it, it kind of, it kind of is, uh, depending on how good you are at it. Yeah. But, uh, it, it definitely, it definitely can be, especially compared to if you're, if you're in a physical situation with someone who's untrained. Well, uh, how many, how many years, like when, what belt were you when you opened your academy? Oh, so I don't, I don't have an academy. I train at Hizo Gracie's. Oh, gotcha, Hizo gotcha. Gracie Houston, uh, and I'm an instructor there. Gotcha. Uh, and in, Invictus is, uh, is our company where we, we do put up and we do teach seminars at different locations. Toward, it's geared towards police officers, but we do it for, for everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't own an academy yet. It's something I'm, I'm, I've thought about uh, right now. Professionally, it's I'm very busy with my job, my career, <laughs> and with some of the other stuff I got going on. So I, it was something I was looking at doing uh, with my brother, but uh, we're, I'm having to pull back now for a little bit just because professionally I don't have the time. To well, I kind of misspoke there. I meant the Invictus thing. Like, what what belt were you oh, when you started that thing? Oh, it's a black belt. We, that we started that a little over a year ago. Um, so that was a collaboration between me and Ari Nizan. Uh and yeah, I was a black belt at that point once we started that. So man, I, it seems like know, it's going really well for only being like a year. Well, it's it's yeah. I, I gosh, I don't even know. I can't even say it's been a year. We started working on it about a year ago, but uh, we really our first seminar was actually in June of last year. Uh, and then we did a seminar. Then we did. So we've had four seminars. We've had we call them super seminars. The super seminars are ones we do in major locations. Uh, and those involve multiple, like four instructors, uh, and they're usually two day events and there's a lot of, uh, getting together. Like the Friday before our seminar, we'll have, we call it an open mat. That's where everybody gets together and just trains on their own with each other. You know, there's no instruction. It's just guys meeting and training together. Open mat's a real big deal in jujitsu when people can just roll and not have to sit through instruction. Uh, a lot of guys like to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the few yeah. times I've done it, like that's what you like. You go through the little piece, you know, you're, you're, you're drilling tiny little moves, just little. And this is one thing that if nobody's ever done it, this is from a novice who's just rolled a few times. And this is how, how crazy this, I don't know if you want to call it a sport, martial art. Um, this activity really is, is that one, they will drill one little move of the knee, one little move of the hand. One little move of the knee, one little move of the hand. You just drill that with all the different people for, I guess, half the class. I guess, I mean, I don't know what uh, what some other ones do, but we drilled it for like half the class. And then you got like three five-minute rounds or whatever it was or three-minute rounds where you rolled with yeah. different partners that was free. And then I, like – but everything before that for an hour, you're just – it's just drills. Yeah, well, uh, so like a typical – Jiu-jitsu class is is and they they vary, 
but let's say an average jiu-jitsu class to be 30 to 40 minutes of drill, warm up and then drilling a technique, right? So you're right. It'll be it could be a, a big movement or more times than not, it's a few small movements because jiu-jitsu is so difficult and complicated. You have to learn real small parts of moves to get good at them at a time, and you got to drill them, and then you got to you got to you got to practice them under pressure, which means trying to do techniques on someone when they're trying to do techniques on you at the same time, or they're countering, and you got to learn the counter to the counter. So that's what you do in live training: is you basically pressure test everything. So you try to strangle each other or break each other's limbs, and at the same time, and you can go pretty hard. Uh, and so and most people who do jiu-jitsu, that's their favorite part, right? That's the part that gets super addictive is when you start getting some of these techniques down, then being able to actually uh, get someone to, to tap on a, say, triangle choke, right, or, or whatever, uh, it's, it's very exciting. So that's what everybody wants to do, and they want to let that energy out and, and, and get at it. And, uh, yeah, so we do like the that. We just do the open mat where it's just everybody's just getting at it for about two hours and then we'll go to dinner that night to, to it's more it's more you know getting to know each other and and, and just kind of that uh, the brotherhood of jiu-jitsu and police officers at the same time uh and then the next day everybody kind of knows each other already so it feels like it's a little easier for people to hop on the mat and start training with each other through through instruction like one of the funny parts about seminars if you go to one by yourself and you don't know anybody there which i've done before several times it's always awkward to find someone to train with. You got to find that other guy who didn't come with anybody. And you're like, hey. So you're looking around like, oh my god, who else came by themselves? And it's the worst if no one did, because then you got to try to, you know, butt in with a, another group. And it, but it always works out pretty good. You may end up making new friends. But uh, I, what I kind of thought was, if we did the open mat on on the day before, everybody would that showed up would kind of have some friendships and, and, and kind of have made some new friendships. So the next day it would be just like, you know, piece of cake and everybody will feel super comfortable and really enjoy the seminar and learning all the techniques a lot more. So we do the, the super one and then we've done some smaller ones. Um, I did one in McAllen, Texas and then one in Midland, Texas with another friend of mine, Jeffro Molinax. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with uh, Tim Kennedy and uh, Sheepdogs Incorporated as well. Oh, that's awesome. And Ranger, Ranger up, yeah, he's he's real awesome guy. He's been doing mixed martial arts and jujitsu and police work a, a long time. He's he's a pretty cool guy. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we've done the smaller ones there, and with those were so what we do, we have to collect money to put these seminars on, but we don't pocket money. We keep enough in the budget to keep it running, but we donate all proceeds to to charity, and we donate them to police charities that typically go to. Uh, families of, of fallen officers is usually what we donate the money to uh so like with mcallen we had a similar we had an officer that was that was killed in the summertime and they wanted to raise some money for for him i believe it's corporal speedy out of mission texas uh and so the assistant chief actually trains jujitsu so we had a seminar in mcallen and we did real well we raised over a thousand dollars uh for his for his uh, foundation and everybody had a good time and then Midland, we just did Midland. We haven't really finished counting up the money yet, uh, but uh, we did that one for, I don't know if you remember the shootout on I-20 at Midland Odessa in August, where like eight people were murdered, uh, three officers were shot up. Oh and, my uh, goodness. Was, they, they called it an active shooter. It was really more of a, a shootout that went nuts. But uh, anyway, three officers got shot up. It was a DPS officer and I believe two Midland officers. Uh, so we raised money for for the two Midland officers. The DPS had their own thing going, um, 
and to help with with their medical bills and, and you know there's a lot of things that happen when officers get shot up uh, when they die obviously their family loses a family member that's close to them and so that's they're losing someone they love they're losing maybe a breadwinner they're losing someone who they're losing a lot right and when someone gets shot up an officer gets shot up it's it's very similar and i think a lot of people don't realize if an officer gets shot up it's uh you know you'll see non-life-threatening injuries in the news well i mean define non-life-threatening if you're losing if <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like you just got shot. Yeah, it's non life threatening. I don't know yeah. how that those two those two don't go together at all. No, and a lot of these guys lose their careers because they're unable to physically do their job anymore. They develop PTSD, which happened to a friend of mine who got shot up a couple of years back. Uh, she wasn't. She's kind of back on the job now, but for a while she couldn't. She couldn't work. I mean, she developed PTSD from the shooting, and uh, you know, so so there's a lot of things that go that happen to officers. In these situations, so a lot of you know, Ari and I talked about it. Where where do we want the proceeds to go to? And we thought, man, it's the this it's you know, families of fallen officers and wounded officers that they, they need it more than anybody in law enforcement, and they're so forgotten. No one talks about them. No one talks about officers who are killed or or injured. Like it's even their depart even departments forget about their own officers that have been injured. Really? Once they're, once they're, I, I hate to say it, but it, it happens where officers are just. Hey, you can't do the job anymore. Thank you for your service. I mean, I guess you've you've got a high. I mean, I guess it's one of those things like you got to go out every single night, and it's dangerous. And you know, if a guy can't do it, it's like, man, I really miss that guy. But I got to go do my job. I mean, I guess I can see it now. Like thinking about it, I can see where that could happen pretty easy. It, It does. You know, a department has to fill a spot, and they have to have somebody who's physically capable of doing the job. So I get that part. There really needs to be something more done. Uh, to address when officers are no longer able to do the job because they got injured on the job, there's just not. There's really not much to it now. Sometimes there's sometimes some medical disabilities and, and whatnot, but that's a mess too. There, there really needs to be a lot more done. First response, you said it in the beginning. Uh, police officers get no, they get no slack, and and that's an example of you know of it right there. You get hurt, and well, we'll give you a little medical disability, which may not be very much. And good luck, and that's kind of the end of your your career. You better figure out what else you're going to do for to pay your bills and to survive. So, well, man, anyway. like this is tugging on all sorts of my heartstrings because I had no idea that all the things go to charity, uh, like and and that type of charity where it's something you are directly improving the lives of of people like in the same line of work as you that have lost like family members or they're injured or whatever the situation is, that's just like, this makes it even, like, it makes me even more a fan of this Invictus program you got going on. Thank you, man. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it feels good to, to reach out, to do a couple things. One is to, to spread jujitsu. Cause I'm a big, obviously by now, you know, I'm a big believer in jujitsu. <laughs> to, to, to make, to meet up with other officers who train and, and to convince other officers to start training and then to be able to donate something and to have some type of impact in, in somebody's life who's, who's been hurt on this job. It's, it's a hard job, man. It's, it's a thankless job. Uh, we're always under scrutiny. There's there, everybody always assumes the worst about, about us. Um, and I, but I tell you the best people that I know on the planet are police officers, man. They're, they're good people. They get into the job for, 
95 percent of them get into the job for the right reasons because they they, they want to help people they want to get out make the make their community safer uh, and they're trying to do the right thing all the time and it's you get they get put in positions that are so impossible and it's so hard for a civilian to understand if, if you don't do it all the time and they do an incredible job doing it they really do not overwhelming was majority of the time they do such an incredible job and we have Police officers are in contact with, with people 24-7 around our country, and you got like around a million police officers or something like that making contact constantly with people. And when you look at it from that perspective and you look at the numbers, the, the numbers of, of situations where officers are uh, sustained excessive force complaints or bad shootings are so minimal. Like the percentages are so low. I don't want to quote a percentage that's not correct, but it's like when I say extremely low, we're talking tenths of a percent of complaints are legit. You know, it's so low. There's officers are doing a tremendous job, but they just don't get the credit. And it's it's a bummer that people don't realize how good a job everybody's doing out there because they just see the flashy media stories. But they're they're but these guys are doing and girls are doing an incredible job. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from my my former podcast with Damon, and he was a police officer for um uh for 20 years as well um and or 20 plus years and i i think that was one of the the biggest takeaways when i talked to him and and uh what i was trying to like to get his point of view on it is is that he was like you're always at a 10 and people for some reason people assume that they should that that i should know you like you know, uh, you just it's because true. you pull somebody over because they've got a blinker on, they assume that you should know that they didn't mean any harm when you're walking up to that door. But he's like, for me, I don't know if you just came from robbing a store. I don't know if you've got a weapon. I don't know if you're on drugs. Like, I'm pulling you over because of this small violation, but I don't know you. Like, I have no idea who you are, what your intentions are. So I have to be at a 10 all the time. Man, I've had that conversation, and I don't work the street anymore. Like I said, I'm, I'm administrative now, but I've had that conversation a million times. And I've, I've people get offended because you're asking them questions, and and it does it almost doesn't even matter your demeanor. You can be as nice as you as you can be. They're 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 irritated. You're stopping them, and that that you're suspecting them of anything, uh, you know, that's illegal or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even that you're suspecting them. You're just doing your job and asking questions and, and being inquisitive. Yeah. But I've had to say a million times, I said, look, man, I was like, dude, have we met before? They're like, no. So I don't know who you are, right? No, you don't. So I have no idea your background. I have no idea where you just came from. I don't know what you have in your vehicle. I don't know your intentions. I don't know. But I got to be safe and ask questions. And sometimes that would help and sometimes it didn't. But no, you're, you're, you nailed it right there. That's people just assume I'm, it's just me. Like, well, I don't know who just you is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it that way, think about living life. I'm, I mean, I put myself in his, in, in your shoes and I'm like, think about living life at a 10 all the time. Then how do you yeah. come down from that when you get off your shift? You know, and, and I think this is one thing where that, that sort of thing, finding something like jujitsu is such an amazing thing that it's opened up uh and thanks to the gracies thanks to the i mean say what you want to about all mixed martial arts and you know the the idiots that are now there they've made these things popular where there's more places for people like you and and people who need to go roll and and to relieve some you know 
get a little stress reliever, you know, go, go work that out, uh, release those endorphins or whatever. Um, I, it's so important to have that after you get done off a shift, I would feel like. Man, I tell you, it's, <laughs> there's just days that I need to go try to strangle somebody. And I, you know, <laughs> I always see that meme where, you know, uh, you know, I just need to strangle somebody. Well, that you, well, guess what? There's places you can do it legally. It's called a jiu-jitsu academy. You can get your stress out and try to strangle somebody. Now, they can just try to strangle you back, and that was, that's what makes it fun. But, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Having something, and, and I'm, mental health and, and police work is huge. When I got into law enforcement, I remember they would, I was in the police academy. One of the things they talked about, they have a section where they talk about mental health, and they kind of, they don't, they kind of address in the sense of you need to have friends outside of law enforcement. You need to have activities outside of law enforcement to stay, you know, balanced. Uh, and you need to watch out for alcoholism because a lot of officers actually do fall into that to deal with their stress. They, you know, you have, you're, you're at it. Like, so like your friend said, you are at a tent all the time, especially if you're on the street doing traffic stops, responding to, to different calls for service that can be pretty stressful. Um, you're constantly there and it becomes your norm. So you don't even know that your deal that your brain is on on you know going into the red is sitting in the red all the time. You just it's your norm, and if you don't decompress that somehow, you know, you're going to find a way to decompress it. If it's either going to be healthy or it's going to be unhealthy, and uh, you know if you find healthy ways, then a lot of times you get super addicted to them, like I am. You know when it comes to jujitsu and lifting, I have to do it. I have to I have to do it. I, it makes me feel better mentally and physically. But there are people that, that resort to, to other things like alcoholism or whatever uh, because they don't find a healthy outlet to, to relieve that stress. One of the ways that they, they've said it, and, I, and this is the best visual I can get of it, like when you first start law enforcement, you have, say you have a glass and you start filling it up with water every day that you have stress. Well, eventually you get to the top and there's no more places for that water to go. So if you don't find a way to dump some of that water out, you're going to overflow and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out somewhere. And it could come out at work, and I think you see sometimes videos of that happening where guys just lose it uh, on the job. Now we see videos of it. Or it's going to come out at home, or it's going to come out someplace. You've got to find a way to empty that, that cup a little to keep yourself balanced because that stress, I can feel it ticking up when I'm not getting rid of it. I mean, it's it's always there. It's kind of it, – I mean, that's a great way. I love the glass thing. I've never heard that before, but how crazy cool it is because, um, you know, I've had – stressful situations in my life and jobs and just always having to be maybe not at a 10 but I've always had to be there's no break it didn't seem like there was any relief from that and it you're right it becomes the norm and people I was like I'm not stressed out but others you know can tell and there was a funny saying at one of my other jobs the the GM of the entire company was like you're the only one that's just like calm and smiling goes, you're the guy that's going to be on the roof shooting people one day. Like, cause you never ever let out any sort of like, like you're stressed at all. So you're the guy I'm scared of. And you know, he, like he wasn't right in the sense of shooting people on a roof, but, uh, he was right in the sense of, I didn't have at that point in time in my life, I didn't have any outlets, um, to relieve any of that stress. I just thought I was fine. And then come to realize once I, finally got to places where I could relieve that I realized what kind of a zombie robot and how I was uh, dealing with other aspects of my life that I could have thought like gone through better ideas that 
like my mind was clouded up with the stress. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I mean, that I I I love the glass thing. Like if you don't get rid of it, it's I mean it's gonna go somewhere. It's got to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah, your brain's a tricky thing, and I, it's funny because you know when we talk about PTSD and, and people are just you know I think it, I was watching a World War II documentary and they were talking about I don't know if you know the story about Patton. He was in the he was on the front lines of World War II, and I think it might have been Italy. He was in some hospital, and there was he was talking to all these wounded guys, and uh, the, the ones who were physically wounded, you know, he was giving them a war, you know, like a Purple Heart, and telling them to get better. And then he came across a couple guys who were there for non-physical reasons they were just like i just can't take it anymore and he's i think he slapped one or both of them in the face they <laughs> called them cowards right but what we know now is what those guys were dealing with was like being shell-shocked and ptsd from just the extreme trauma of, of war uh and, and those things are like in law enforcement you know and there's there's even cases of ptsd and, and non-combat related you know, incidents but like car accidents i think there's like bad PTSD with car accidents and stuff like that. But uh, your brain rewires itself and it can actually have flashbacks into the, whatever caused it and, and cause you severe, you know, some, some severe mental trauma. And we're still just learning the, the, the ramifications of that, but it's chemical. Like it's an actual medical diagnosis that we're just now really understanding. And, but things like exercise and jujitsu and things like that, it helps. It helps. They know it helps with PTSD. They know it helps people with those level of stress in their life. Yeah. Now, do you guys do you guys do a kids class? We do. We have kids classes. <laughs> kids class is great. Like it's it's you know it's funny the 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 adult classes guys are and girls are trying to murder each other. Right. It gets intense. But the kids classes are are it's almost like cuteness overload sometimes because we we'll have like three to six. And you have, like, these little three-year-olds with rolled-up geese out there, and you teach them, like, some really basic techniques, right? They're, like, real basic, like how to get someone on the ground and get on top. And then you, they'll life train, too, though. They do the same things we do, and they'll just kind of, like, it, it's fun. It's fun to watch them, and it's great for kids. They have a lot of fun. Now, they can get more – it can become more competition-based and more uh, intense for them for different level classes if they choose to, and some do. And there's some kids out there that are – monsters and you know when they get they grow into an adult body you know lord help you uh they're going to be you know murking everybody but uh yeah there's kids classes and it's great for kids it's really good for kids yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean my my son did taekwondo and he loved it um he loved it and then he got he he moved up real fast and that dude can kick hard he's got a great uh, kick the problem is he didn't like to hit people and yeah. he got to a point where he couldn't move up any further unless he sparred and started yeah. like, you know, he's got to spar and he's got to do the, like the whole competition thing with somebody else. And, um, he got done with one and it looked fine. Like he looked like he did a great job and they had a good time and everything. He gets done. He's like, I didn't like that at all. I'm like, why? He's like, I didn't, I was like, was, did it hurt getting hit? He goes, I didn't care about getting hit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to kick him. I was like, oh. Oh, he's a good kid. <laughs> nice. but I tried to get him in jujitsu and wrestling. Cause those are the two things that. It just the patterns that I see in in humans that grow up from a from a kid they get into those two different things. It seems like in life they deal with things well, um, like whatever challenges come across. Uh, wrestlers and jujitsu practitioners uh, have that trait together, where there's just a mental toughness in there that you can't replicate in other things. 
So I, I really wanted to get into it, but I mean, I'm not going to push him into something he didn't want to. I took him to a couple classes, but I see the benefit in kids and especially with like the bullying nowadays and all the different things that go on. You know, it's, um, I think there's part of that is that you have a bully, but you're going to have bullies when you're an adult. Um, you know, you're going to have people at work that are bullies and unless you learn how to deal with them properly, I mean, it, you're going to have like that cup flowing over thing, you know, it's just going to build. You're not going to know how to handle somebody that's, that's coming at you. So teaching it from an early age, I think is a crazy benefit. I I agree. I, and you know, it is funny. It's something about wrestling and jujitsu. I would even throw judo people who who train a lot of judo. There's something about that type of martial art and wrestling is a martial art, you know, in my, in my mind, but uh, there's something about it that it definitely creates a, a confidence and a calmness about the person and dealing with things outside of, of a gym. And it, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's there. And I'll tell you, I commend you. I'm not pressing your kid into anything. Um, I've debated on that myself. I have two kids. They're both in high school now. And, uh, I, you know, I try to get them involved in jujitsu, but I never pushed them. And I was like, if it's something you want to do, I'm here and I'd, I'd like you to do it. I think it'd be good for you. I think you'll thank me many years from now. Um, but they just weren't into it, and there's probably reasons for that. But uh, they are very good at their own things that they like to do. They're both very artsy, and I'm kind of thankful for it. You know, <laughs> I don't think they're going to go the way of being a police officer. Like, I was not that there's anything wrong with it, but uh, I would be very stressed out if my kids are police officers. I'd be very worried about them all the time. Isn't it funny and, how, uh, like, looking at you know? Uh, so I did. I've been involved in action sports my whole life, and I guess that's why the relation between the CrossFit and the Jiu-Jitsu and stuff that struggle because. You're, uh, my wife likes to call it. You, you, I can see it in your eyes. You're doing dangerous things safely. Like that's what you enjoy doing. And, and so, like I, I've been involved in it my whole life. And and on you know, at one point in time, I was at a decent level. I like to say um, in that. And you know, you fall and hurt yourself or whatever. But then to see my own kids do it, like uh, I went camping and and we went. I bluff jumped a bunch, you know, 60, 80 feet up in the air. No big deal, right? That's fun for me. And I watch my kids climb up there by themselves and I'm across and they get close to the edge and I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, why am, wait a second, why am I so nervous? I did this all the time as a kid. It's so much more nerve wracking watching your own kids do something like that. Oh, it's, 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 I guess it's just parental instinct. You just want to protect your kids. Uh, I don't know. I my kids are very artsy. They're both uh, my my son's very much into creating movies and, and acting, and my daughter's a very talented actress and singer. And uh, they're I'm I'm so happy they're that way. I, I don't know why. I just I just love seeing them perform, and, and I just like that they're that way. And they're very different for me in that that sense. Although I did kind of have an artsy background on high school, I don't want to talk about it too much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did have a little bit of one, but. Uh, you know, I just I'm very happy that they they are the people they are. Uh, very proud of them. But yeah, I guess it's just parental instinct. You just uh, you don't want your kids to get hurt. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I guess with the that's really awesome that they are artsy. And I think all of us are kind of creative in some sort of shape or form. You know, there's I'm I I grew up on a farm. You know, but I love this podcast thing. I, I'm yeah. I like to I like all manly manly stuff like from movies to like your picture on Instagram to everything, like anything violence related act, like crashing the whole thing. Like 
it just I'm attracted to that style of stuff. However, at the same time, like I do like the artsy thing. I like you know I like music and I'm drawn to that and I like to see. Uh, I kind of like to see the other side. You know, one of my one of my good friends is, is used to be a, a, a special forces guy, and I mean just like super manly of the manliest dudes. And I mean just a super nice guy, but very like you can just tell and he's also an artist he likes to draw so like yeah. he, he you know he draws on stuff and you're going this is very like musashi of of things to have that balance of creativity and and like um i guess you want to say a warrior or whatever it is it's a it that finding that good balance in between is super important it's the art thing and i've known some other guys uh who are former special forces guys who like to draw. And actually, I have another friend of mine who's a, he's a black belt up in Seattle, a guy named James Foster, a little bit of a mentor. <clears throat> he's very much into drawing and artwork and, and being artsy too. So yeah, there's something about the, gosh, the, the, the warrior artist, or I can't think of the, I can't think of the term, there's a term for it, but uh, yeah, there's something about that. It, it, maybe there's so much um, machismo and some of the stuff that you do that you need that soft outlet. To balance yourself, maybe you're naturally balancing yourself. I'm not sure. That's your yeah, human. That's your human. Maybe you know that you're not yeah. like you don't have to be. That you can you can adapt and treat everybody according. I mean, I think police. Uh, I mean, just hitting my head right now. The the being a police officer is a perfect example of this because you have to learn how to communicate well with so many different personalities and people. Um and read them and read their body language and, and everything else like that. And so having a good balance of all these different things and under at least understanding them and their philosophies and all that, I, I would, I mean, I imagine that that's a big part of who you are as a police officer. I think not all officers take that perspective, but it's very, you become a much more effective police officer when you learn to understand your community and the different cultures in your community and learn how to communicate with everybody. Um, it'll, it'll, and I think that's another word where my experience in jiu-jitsu with just having friends from all different backgrounds helped me. But, uh, yeah, for sure, it, it can be very helpful. I've seen officers not take that tact, and they're just, it's my way or the highway type thing. And I, I don't think that works very well. Uh, and I think that sometimes it gets you into bad situations as well. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like You, you need to be able to, to be moldable maybe that's not the right term but you need to be able to to communicate with with everybody that you're dealing with on their level uh, in, a, in a way that at least be understanding of their background yeah um so i just not to change topics totally but when you when you were telling me stuff about like your background and how you came up and you know that you were 200 what what, what was it Two- 220 pounds 225 pounds and i picked up on you look you look taller by the way on your Instagram, but, um, that you're five, seven. <laughs> so I'm yeah. putting those two numbers together and I'm like, Holy smokes. Do you I ever do that. like a before, like, do you ever scroll back and look at like before I pictures and burned, I burned every picture of me before that. <laughs> no, I, I had, I had, I was in the military and I was fit and, and, uh, not super fit, but I was fit. Like, you know, typical young person fit. And uh, then I got married and, and had kids, and then it was just uh, just not really trying. I, I would lift, you know, here and there because I've always lifted, but uh, you know, I just I, it wasn't a priority. 
And uh, next thing I knew, I think I saw a picture of myself, and I was like, who the heck is that guy? Like, when did I look like this? And uh, so I had to get back in the gym, and, and, and jiu-jitsu, was, it was about the same time I found jiu-jitsu. And I just got focused, back on focused on, on, on fitness and, and, and being fit and, and being a competent police officer and just being fit for the, not just for being a police officer, but for physical health. You know, my dad had heart disease and died at a young age, and it run in my family, so I didn't want that to be me either. I, I, wanted, you know, I wanted to live a long and healthy life. So, man, uh, so and that's like what you said, 10, 10 years ago. A little that was no, it was probably that was over twelve years ago. It's when I started jujitsu, so that was twelve and a half years ago. Well, how how old are you now? Because you look you look way uh, when you said you were a police officer of twenty years, I was like, there's no way. I'm forty five years old. Forty five years old. So you started like. I mean, I guess you said you were in the military. Did you go straight out of the military into being a uh, police officer? Almost. I was a police officer in the military, actually, also. But uh, I got out. I went to college for a little while, and then I got back into police work. So within a couple of years of getting out of the military, I was back in, back in police work. It didn't take long. So. Gotcha. So you have that whole transition of, like, you know, you're out of the military. You get into, like, a regular job, and then it just kind of slowly creeps in of the – I guess the bad, like, I don't want to say bad habits, but, you know, like, things catch up with you where you don't have those activities and you're not staying yeah. like, yeah, I can do it. I can do yeah. it later. I, I just, it was, it just stopped, you know, I just, just eating pizza, watching movies, taking care of kids, and you just, it just, it just gets away from you. And next thing you know, you're out of shape. And I mean, you're way out of shape. Uh, and you're, you're wearing size I don't know, 38 pants, whatever it was back then. I don't know. But you're just, you're just big and you're like, how did this happen? And, uh, but you know, you just change your mindset and you focus and get back in shape. Well, I think so, that's what, I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know, I just picked up on it is that people want this like really quick thing. Like if they start jujitsu, they want to be able to do what Nate Diaz does, what they see him do to Conor McGregor. You know, they want to see him choke people out right there. Um, while somebody's fighting them and when they want to lose weight and they want to become ripped, they want it like tomorrow or the next yeah. day. And then and you didn't really like, so your journey of going through that, it took you a while to get to that 200 plus pounds. And then it took yeah. you a while to become a black belt in jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. And nothing, everything, I think everything that's, that's worth something takes time and energy and, and consistency and some grinding. Very few things that are good for you or that, that you want to achieve are easy. Like I, I don't not, I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff that's easy. That's, that's good for you. And that, that makes you feel like you achieve something, but uh, to, to really achieve stuff, to really, to, you know, to lose weight, to become a black belt in jujitsu, to become a successful business owner, to be successful in your profession, Almost all of those things take time and consistency and grinding. Like I, I, I think that's why when we see some some of this newer generation, this millennials, and we're experiencing those in law enforcement now, they're coming into the ranks and they want things so fast. They they want uh, they want the perfect days off so fast. They want rank. They want responsibility so fast. <laughs> and it's like you try to explain to them, look, it's not good for you. Like you're not ready. You need to do this grinding. You need to go through all this hard stuff, kind of like you were talking about earlier. You need to go through the hard stuff to learn how to deal with with the next level. Like you can't can't just hand it to you. You got to work for it. And there's a reason you got to work. 
Are you there, brother? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta pause this real quick. Okay. I guess I lost you. Yeah, we got disconnected for a second. It started ringing on my phone for some reason. I was like, why is he calling me on his phone? <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway no I, what i was gonna ask was before before that all happened was um if, if somebody's looking to start like get into jujitsu and start because i know when i went you you talked about like that that new person comes into class they don't know who to roll with that's pretty much me with anything i like to do i just jump right in but i kind of embrace those moments and enjoy it but it's so awkward it's very awkward to do when you're you know, you're trying to look for somebody to roll with. So what are some tips and advice before we like cut the podcast short that you would suggest that people going to try jujitsu places to look for, uh, any of all that good stuff. So this is what I, I think this is the simple, typical, uh, advice is this, give it six months because when you first step on a mat and the first time you try to roll with somebody, it's, you're going to get just absolutely strangled. It feels like you're drowning. A lot of people use the water, the swimming analogy. <laughs> the first six months is like you're basically drowning. Like you cannot get air. You're getting smothered. You're getting choked. You're getting your body hurts. Your joints hurt because you're getting arm barred and all kinds of weird things happening to you. But after about six months, you kind of start to be able to tread water a little bit. And, and, and you actually be able to keep up with some people with some other white belts. Uh, and you'll start to get a little bit of success here and there. If you can give it six months, you'll start to feel good about it a little bit and uh it'll it'll i think it'll hook you so give it six months uh and don't quit because it's hard because it's it's just it just is what it is it's hard but after about six months you start to get your feet underneath you a little bit and after about a year you're really going to get hooked in because you're going to learn some decent techniques and you're going to you start have a real good feel for what's happening you're going to be strangling some people the when the new people walk in you're going to be looking at them and rubbing your fingers together you know you're, you're going to <laughs> Like I can't wait till I get my hands on you, just like I used to get strangled. Uh, and uh, it, it kind of works its way up from there. But uh, yeah, give it six months, man. And I, I promise you, the rewards uh, is not just learning this new cool superpower where you can strangle people, but it's also just the friendships and the camaraderie, the physical fitness, the mental health. It's it's going to be extremely rewarding if you stick it out. I like it, man. I like it. Well, is there, uh, let everybody know, I guess, where they can find you, find more about Invictus, um, any and all the stuff that you want to promote and get out there. Oh, sounds good. So you can find me uh, on Instagram and on Facebook under BJJ Cop. Uh, there's a symbol of a gorilla. If you find that, that's me. Um, and are the the Invictus, you can find and We have a website, InvictusLEO.com has all the information about instructors, what we're doing. We have some merchandise that we sell, also future seminars coming up. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram, also under Invictus LEO. Um, and I think that's about all I want to promote. Uh, just And just go join a gym. If you if you guys are interested in jiu-jitsu in any form or fashion, just find a local jiu-jitsu academy and go, go check it out. They almost all give free at least one free class to get your feet wet and get you a taste. And, uh, I think most of you guys will really enjoy it, man. Well, this has been like a real pleasure of a podcast for me. I, I, I have enjoyed every moment of this. Um, and I definitely, like we were talking beforehand, I would love to get this thing traveling on the road and, uh, come down to Houston and man. set up and roll with you, man. I would love it. It would, it would be, would be fantastic. Great. You can choke me out cause I love getting beat up. So it's perfect. <laughs> 
well, man, you know you're always welcome, and uh, we're not you're not too far away. So I hope to I hope I see you soon, and uh, yeah, that'd be great, man. Oh, I'd love to see you down there in Houston. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. It was a pleasure for me too, and I look forward to talking to you again. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Bye. Take care, brother. Whoo! Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to this episode. Uh, thank you, Jay, for being on the podcast. I can't tell you how fired up I am, and I'm ready to go crush some stuff, strangle some things in life, and succeed, and mentally just push myself to another level. So, again, thank you, Jay, for being on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, like always, you can go to the website and get the coffee. Go check out Danny's website. C5 Mobile RV Repair on Facebook. And also, don't forget about Laura Lee Smith. Thank you to all the sponsors, which it's pretty much just Laura Lee. The other people are for free. Also, go check out the Invictus website uh, on Jay's Instagram page, BJJ Cop, and support him in any sort of way you can. Go to one of his seminars, whatever it is. It's just a cool thing, and I loved hearing his story about all of it. So anyway, there's that. There's another episode in the books, and I really appreciate you downloading it again. Until the next one, see you later.